better off for that. Sometimes it's like TMI up here, right? Okay, let's go to verse 21. The Bible teaches us about forgiveness. Let's learn about that today. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister or my prima or prima or my coworker? How many times do I got to forgive my neighbor who always uh, be shoveling out their spot and putting in the chairs there in the winter? You know, how many times do I got to forgive Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton? How many times do I have to forgive those who have hurt me, done me wrong? How many times, Jesus, shall I forgive brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus, I mean seven, is, is that where we draw the line after that? Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. He answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And we know that if it gets up to those 70s, that we're already to the point where if they did it 78, we could still forgive them. Now, let me just pause here and say, because this is used oftentimes by abusers, that they should get your forgiveness so they can keep abusing you. I am a good pastor, and I am a defender of the abuse. Never let this scripture be used against you in any situation to make you think you have to endure abuse. So no matter who you are today, we are your advocates. We will help you and advocate for you and get you out of that situation. Never let an abuser say, I'm sorry, God. God said you have to forgive me, so we have to stay married. I'm sorry, you have to forgive me, so let me touch you again. No, never. Do you guys understand that? Just because I forgive you doesn't mean I'm not calling the police, okay? I forgive you as the popo are coming. I forgive you, and I'll send you a, some brownies in jail in the county, okay? I forgive you, and I'll push the button for you to go meet Jesus right now if you've done enough bad things, okay? I'll be the, the priest you've seen in those Wild West shows about ready to be hung. And I'll be like, you ready to meet Jesus? You, go, you about ready to meet him right now for messing with them kids. You know, say your last prayer, sir. Boop, drop the floor and hang them. You know what I'm saying? I'll be that guy. I'm telling you. I just, I forgive you. I have, I have nothing against you. I truly want the best for you. But so that everyone knows we don't allow that here, you're going bye-bye now. But I'm not a vigilante. I'm not taking justice into my own hands. I'm just saying, abused people, we are your advocates. And if it means, like I said, we call the police and they've done enough bad things, buried people in their backyard, I'm okay with the death penalty today. Okay, are you listening to me? Now, I used to live in Louisiana, preach in New Orleans, and uh, they had the death penalty here. I think in Illinois, they'll just, uh, what, give you some, some time to live in a jail cell for a long time, because we don't believe in that here. Uh, we, we just believe in crooked politicians getting away with stuff, right? So it seems like the good people are bad, the bad people are good. But that's all twisted and messed up. We now understand forgiveness is a gift that we ought to give. Now, Peter needs a lesson on this, like many of us do, because when we are forgiving people, it's out of the thing they've done against us. And so we oftentimes understand the principle here, but not here. So in the moment of church and learning about forgiveness, we're good with it. Like we can theoretically forgive as much as it takes, but that person cuts me off in traffic tomorrow. That's a whole nother story, right? That coworker lies about you and then gets that promotion. And now you still have to take, you know, that bus to work 
work and now they're coming in that new car or whatever. You know, that takes a whole nother level, doesn't it? Because you're experiencing it. You're saying right now, I'll, I'll forgive, I'll forgive. And then your spouse uh, cheats on you. You want to do your own little sex surgery reassignment, you know, to put something in another place. Are you listening to me? A pastor once said, I'm afraid to cheat on my wife because if I did, I wouldn't be a man anymore. I'll let you figure out what he meant by that. He said his wife was going to handle business. You, you, you listen to me. You can get hurt in life and make excuses not to forgive. You could say, that was too far. That was too much. I mean, the greatest situation I can think of is slavery. Something like that. How could we forgive a slave master, those who have come from that? Or how about, you know, something, you know, as equal and horrendous as Nazi Germany and the Holocaust. How could you forgive someone like this? What now Jesus is going to do is give an example to show us that no matter how bad we have been treated in this world, never makes their wrong right, we are still to forgive and be right. Does everybody get that? You can go to hell being wronged and not forgiving just as they can go to hell for wronging you. I want everybody to get this. Your abuser can go to hell for abusing you, no doubt. They're going there unless they repent. How many believe that? But if you are the one abused and never forgive your abuser, you're going to their same hell. You might say, I don't believe that. Well, there's something we call the Lord's Prayer. Has anybody ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? We learned about that here. Let's go to it in Matthew chapter 6 so you can just hear how Jesus taught us to pray for the forgiveness of our own sins before we get into the parable. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Keep going to verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. There's a story about uh, Corey Tim Boom whose family was taken into the Holocaust, into the concentration camps, because she, as someone from the Netherlands, started hiding Jews when the Germans occupied her land. They eventually caught her, her family, and her father and sister died in the concentration camp. One of the most beautiful things you'll hear is a quote from her sister, and forgive me if I misquote it, but as she was dying in the concentration camp, she said, there is no pit so deep that God's love cannot reach down into. She saw all the hatred of the Germans towards her and the, and the Jews, and yet this sister, as she was dying, knew that God's hand could still go and touch the Reverend Martin Luther King said, we do not overcome hate with hate. We overcome it with love and goodness, right? These are the principles of the Bible. Corey Tim Boom made it through the concentration camp, and she understood forgiveness as a Christian. She was living a great life. She became a missionary, actually called to go to other persecuted Christian nations to help them suffer and to prepare for persecution, uh, some places that were Muslim-run in Africa and the Middle East, etc. Well, towards the end of her life, she was preaching in her hometown or around that area of the Netherlands, and in a service like this, she was preaching on forgiveness, and an old man, bent over and crippled, came to her at the end and said, I remember you. You were in my concentration camp. 
She said at that moment, all the, all the oxygen, all the life just went out of her in a moment. She had feared this her entire life. She was teaching forgiveness. She was teaching love for the, the enemies of, you know, that had, had did all of this. But now she was face to face with the man that came to that service to meet her. And then he said, do you forgive me? I am sorry for what I did. I repent. I was wrong. And she said it felt like hours passed by as she is looking literally at a leader of the concentration camp she was in. And then with everything she had empowered only by the grace of God, she said, I forgive you as Christ has forgiven me. Did that ever make what that man did right? No. Should he go before the tribunals? You see, what we do often is we confuse our forgiveness with God's justice. God is very clear. Vengeance is mine. Let me handle it. God will always take care of justice. But what we must understand is forgiveness is something we do not for them, but to honor God for us. Because unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. As that old saying goes, you're not really hurting them by holding the bitterness in. You're hurting yourself because the principle of life is to be free from offense no matter how great it is. And you might say, Pastor, but, but, but what about the innocent? And what about all those who suffer innocently? Jesus, God in the flesh, the most innocent among us, and yet he was our creator, became as a man just so that he could die by the hands of his own creation. What did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, I know some of you would say, my people that hurt me, they know what they do. That coworker, he knows what she does. My cousin who lied on me, oh, he knows. But listen, do they really know that that action equals hell? No, because they're deceived in some way that by doing this action, they won't have a penalty. Because you think if anyone could see hell, experience hell, would want to go there? No, so honestly, even though, yes, they're making a choice, they'll be responsible for that choice, they're honestly not understanding the consequence of that choice. Let's go back to Matthew 18. Are you ready for the parable? Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. Here it is, Matthew chapter 18. By the way, our internet's down today. That affects the app and all of that. So uh, just follow along as best as you can. Jesus now tells the parable. Here it is. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. How many know 10,000 bags of gold is a lot of money? This is what they came up with as scholars. One bag of gold, $350,000. $350,000 times 10,000 is how much? A lot of money. Three billion. Somebody say billion. This dude was some internet startup like Mark Zuckerberg and got loaned three billy by like a Bill Gates billionaire. These are some high rollers. You understand what's going on here? A man says, I'm going to settle my accounts, and I'm going to this dude in Silicon Valley first going, where's my three bill? Where's my three billion? 
Now watch. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Let me take a little side note here. When the Bible talks about slavery, it's never talking about kuta kinte, kidnapping you from a country, slavery. This is nine out of ten times what it's talking about slavery. A debtor's slave, a person that could not pay debt, and now they are now paying it back. And though we think in our minds slavery is bad because we always think of it in the terms of what it did in the deep south and, and Africa and all of that, I actually prefer this kind of work servitude. Yes, let's use that nice word, okay? Because how many know you would do better? about that Target card if you got into debt with that credit card and had to go work for Target and pay back them shoes, ladies. Can I hear an amen? And, and by the way, we are called, listen, we are called the slaves of Christ in the same way. So, so whatever we think about uh, a slavery, it can never be this negative thing of the past because Christ is our master and we are literally his slave. But are we getting whipped by Jesus and forced to do things? No, we are those who have said, Jesus, I can't pay back my debt, but I'll spend the rest of my life working for you. Oh, come on, somebody. Paul said, I'm a bond servant of Jesus. I just threw away my freedom papers to run with the devil. I now want to belong to Jesus the rest of my life. And so that's just the context. I always say that because somebody finds something in the Bible that talks about slavery, and then they transport themselves to this place in history and think they're talking about the same things. We don't understand cultures. This is what's going on. Dude, you borrowed money. You can't pay the money. Your family going to live on my property now and start working for me until it's gone, you know? And how many know he's going to be working there for a long time, paying back $3 billion, okay? And that's, by the way, how children got involved with that. Once again, I'm not saying that it was the best system ever. I'm just saying it was allowed due to the economic situation. Because if you owed somebody money, claiming bankruptcy did nothing for them. They're like, man, you're paying it back some way, okay? So the man said, I can't pay. The master ordered that his wife, his children, all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him, said, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. And once again, think big time here. This guy maybe owns fields. He owns properties. He's about ready to make a move. And the servant's master took pity on him and then not only said, I'll give you time to pay me back, but he said, man, I'll just cancel it. I'm Bill Gates. I, you know what? I'm Jeff Bezos. I already got 70 billion. That 3 billion, you, you just handle that on your own. You got it. It's yours now. I feel sorry for you. You just, just take it, do what you got to do now. But, somebody say, but. Every now and then you see a big old but in the Bible. Amen? This is where it gets tight, but it's right. But, that, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants. So this guy's balling too. He's got people working for him. Now, remember, don't think servant slave in every situation. There is a difference. A servant would just be like an employee. He could come and go as he wanted and could quit a job and go to another job. He wasn't indebted, in other words. This was just a servant, an employee. So he finds one of his employees that owed him 100 silver coins. That's about $12,000. So this is a guy that's probably like one of his people that said, you know what, man, I can start up a car washing business in my neighborhood. You know what? I can start up a nannying business. I can get some stuff online. You know what? I can start selling vegetables or whatever. This was like a small business loan. Here's $12,000. Start your business. How many would like about 10 G's to start a business? I know it's not a lot, but how many of you can make some moves with 10 G's? You get a little bit of product, get a little bit of advertising, get a couple employees, and just hold on for dear life and say, Jesus, make it work, Lord. Pray for our small business owners, right? So he's going to take that 12000 and make it happen, but he can't. He's failing. He's struggling. Now, what did this man do? He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Sounds familiar. Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Basically, you become now a slave of the state. I don't even want to deal with you. Like, that's even worse. Like, it's not even come work for me until you pay it off. Just get out of my sight. I'm going to hand you over to the state, and you'll work for them, and then pay me back while you build railroad ties, etc. Now, look at verse 31. Building railroads. Look at what it says. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be what? Tortured. So now not only can he not work it out, not only is he going to jail, but that dude's getting tortured first. Y'all get quiet when we talk about torture. Torture is even in the Bible. Bad people can get tortured in the Bible. I know you want to make it political. Is it okay to torture terrorists? I'll save that for another conversation. But how many have ever watched 24? You know what I'm saying? How many have ever felt good when he handled business? What was his name? His name just slipped my mind. What? Jack Bauer. When Jack Bauer would get in that room with the terrorists, grab that, uh, that lamp and then take that cord and whip them and choke them and get that information, there was always a part of me that would be like, yes the good guy wins today. But all I can tell you is torturing folks that have broken the law is a part of the Bible. As a matter of fact, being whipped was a part of the Bible. As, as they sometimes say, you know, that, uh, you know, children, you should spare the rod and, you know, spare the, the rod and not the child rather. So that means you should spank a child. That didn't just go for children. That went for adults. If you were acting up in the culture of Jerusalem, Moses would take a stick and whoop you. I'm being serious. One time I met a dude from India, grown man like me, man. Uh, he was in his you know, middle 20s at that point, and he was you know, telling some story, and then, and then it ended with, then my dad whooped me. And, then, <laughs> and I was like, well, how old were you? He was like, that was last year. I'm serious. I am so serious. I'm like, man, you let your dad whoop you? He's like, yeah, my dad said I'm going to get a whooping. 20-some years old in India taking a whooping. He's like, that's nothing. My, my, he said, my brother's like in his 30s, married and has kids. He said, sometimes my dad just whoops him. <laughs> Crazy family, but people got their traditions. Here was a tradition here you didn't want to be a part of. You couldn't pay the debt and you caused enough problems. Not only are you going to jail, you're going to be tortured. Okay, so I thank God we don't do that anymore until he paid back all he owed. Now, look at Jesus here. Now, by the way, if you just think this is a crazy story, slaves and debts and prisons and beatings and all that, that's Jesus telling the story, guys. I'm just the one here to try to make it relative to your life right now, but literally that's, that was Jesus' story, okay? Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So rewind that. How will the father treat you? He's going to torture you. He's going to put you in jail. What do we call that place where you get tortured, locked up, and you can't get out? Hell, Jesus said that. Jesus is like, yeah, you just think that guy's crazy for wanting to beat up on this this poor employee, throw him into prison. No, my father's going to do you just like that. So oftentimes we think to ourselves, we think to ourselves that this is an option here. Like, I don't got to forgive. 
you know, this is not that big of a deal. God understands there's some things, you know, you just can't forgive. They just crossed the line. I don't know how much more serious Jesus could take it. He said in the Lord's Prayer, the only way we can bring up our uh, prayers of forgiveness is if at the same time we're forgiving those who sinned against us. So it's like if you don't attach to your prayer, Father, forgive me for looking at BigHooters.com. If you don't attach to that and forgive that person who cut me off in traffic, you're not forgiven of internet pornography. I don't know how else to say it. He then says it like this. If you don't see your debt before me as the billion-dollar debt and the worst that someone can do to you is only a few thousand, then you don't get forgiven. So I want to give you the Revy. Here it is. Here it is. Jesus speaking. All that anyone could ever do to you on this earth, including the greatest atrocities we could ever think of, some that I've named already, are only a few thousand in comparison to the billion we've done against God. Now you might say to yourself, how can that be? Hitler was genocidal. He, you know, he tortured millions of people. All I've done is not forgive one person, you know, this situation, whatever. How does that equal? Well, first of all, remember this. There's different tortures in hell. We've already learned that there's different levels of punishment. So Hitler in hell will suffer a great bit more than you, okay? The Bible's clear on that. Just like in heaven, there'll be different grades of rewards. Not everybody gets the same trophy in heaven, and not everybody gets the same torment in hell. So listen, there will be a dealt out portion of punishment according to the crime. Trust me, that's justice. It will happen. But here's the reason why we will go to the same hell as our abusers. It's because the forgiveness chain, the forgiveness chain cannot be broken at any point with unforgiveness. So let's say Jesus is pulling me, my broke down car, to heaven by the chain of grace. Can I hear an amen? I'm being pulled to heaven by grace. It's not by me. It's by the grace of God. I wasn't good, but he was good. Can I hear an amen? He died so I could live. Hallelujah. So I'm being pulled to heaven by the grace of God and forgiveness. That chain is what keeps me going. At any point, let's say it's 10 links in the chain, 10 events in my life that caused me to be hurt and bitter. If I don't forgive, the chain is broken. The chain is broken. And it doesn't matter what chain link is broken. Now the chain is ineffective. Does everybody get that? So I could be a pastor right here and be living for Jesus. Somebody leave the church. I get bitter. My chain link is broken. It, it didn't matter if you, you know, you didn't murder my children. You didn't steal anything from me. It's just you left the church the wrong way, and I don't like it, man, and that was so unfair, and God, they deserve it. I'm not forgiven. Boom, my chain link is broken. I'm not being pulled to heaven. I'm not being carried along by grace anymore. I have cut it off. Another way to look at it is the pipeline of grace flows through forgiveness, and if at any time we clog that pipeline, those of you who have had, you know, aneurysms or those of you who have had heart attacks or stents put into different parts of your veins and your arteries, you understand this. It doesn't matter how insignificant we think an artery is or a vein is or this part of the heart pump. When one of those things go down, baby, the whole thing shuts down. And so I'm telling you today, 
the, the pipeline, the gas line from heaven. That thing goes out. That car's not moving. And so I'm not comparing your sin to their sin in the magnitude of consequence. Consequences are different, though all sins are equally against God. What I'm saying is when sin breaks the chain, the chain is broken. Hitler broke that chain like 10 million times. He's going to pay for that in hell for 10 million times breaking that chain. You will go to hell for the one time you broke that chain and suffer for that because you didn't have the chain of heaven connected by grace through faith. That's the only way I can have it make sense to you. Otherwise, Jesus is very unfair. You just have to chalk it up with, well, I don't believe the Bible then because that's unfair. See, I'm not putting Jesus in that place. If Jesus told me, this is how the Father will treat me unless I forgive my brother or sister, I'm taking him at his word. And so the way I make sense out of that is through that chain. And so here's the simple illustration. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 in closing, please. You all ready to be baptized? Ready to watch some baptisms? Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 12 quickly, verse 15. Here's the way I look at it. Here's another illustration. It's a biblical one. It's an it's a agricultural one. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you see that? Let no bitter root grow up and defile you. So think of it like this. You're a healthy plant. One weed can choke you out. How many did Hitler have? 10 million, you know, you, you get my point here. But one is enough. That's where we get the understanding of don't fall short. Boom, like here's the grace of God, that fan. Boom, don't fall short because you wouldn't forgive. That's the point is you'll miss the grace of God. You won't have it. You won't possess it. You won't be connected to it if you let bitterness cut you off like a weed. And so here's simply how I guard my heart, because some of you might just be like, oh, man, who, who have I not forgiven Jesus? Help me get it all out right now. Lord, I forgive my mailman for putting the wrong mail in there. Lord, I forgive this person. I forgive this person. Dear Jesus, help me, Lord. Here's what we all do. Here's what we do. We search our hearts in just a few moments, and we have the prayer workers come. As a matter of fact, would they come now with the band, please? We search our hearts, and we say, God, look in my heart. Show me if there's anyone I have not forgiven in this way, someone that I have kept forgiveness back from. I have broken off this chain of grace. I've let this weed grow up. And then just ask God to forgive you. And if you need help with that, these prayer workers can pray with you. Can we keep these lights on the side, please? On The grace of God was never meant to give people an excuse to continue to sin against us and to not face consequences. The grace of God is to remind us that we are all sinners in need of the cross. So this is what I hope happens in just a few moments when we start praying, is that you will look at your heart as I will and ask the Lord to show you if you have not extended the cross, the love of God to anyone for the sake of forgiveness, not to approve of behavior or to eliminate consequences, but for the sake of forgiveness. And then after you've done that, to grow in your Christianity, as hopefully many of you here are and, and are continuing to do, and that is now to be sensitive to when unforgiveness comes in. I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it now, but I would say, I pretty much know when I'm not forgiving you. Like, I'll get that, like, little nudge from God in my heart within the same day. 
towards my wife or towards a church member or towards somebody. Now you say, Joe, how do you get those nudges? Here it is, watch. I pray every day. Remember we started with the Lord's Prayer and a part of the Lord's Prayer is to always clear your conscience? That's how we do it. So there's really no trick to it. It's starting in a time right now to search your heart. Maybe it's a strong message for some of you others. Maybe you've heard it before. Either way, you just search your heart, God. Uh, you ask God to search your heart, and then you forgive, and then you make a commitment in your heart every day. I'm going to pray. Forgive me as I forgive others. Lord, forgive my sins as I forgive those sins who sin against me. And, and as you do that, you'll start to notice a relationship with God that's based on that chain of forgiveness. You'll, you'll, re, you'll realize it, and you'll, you'll say, you know what? I kind of blew it there. I need to forgive. And then what you'll notice is that the more you give forgiveness, you will mature in how often people offend you. I'm not talking about the big things of life that we should get angry about, but I'm talking about minor offenses. The Bible says it's to one's glory to look over minor offenses. It's to your glory to get over those things quicker. I like to say FEMO, forgive them and move on. You know, to the point where like, even if they came to you like two weeks later and then they finally ask for forgiveness, because by the way, we're never waiting for them to do it to give it, but they ask you for forgiveness and you're like, girl, I already forgot about that. What are you even talking about? I already forgave you, it's good. Because those little things, you just, you just let slide off you. Amen? Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus and his word today. We love you, Lord. We want to forgive because we have been forgiven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We ask you to forgive us as we forgive. We ask you today to search our hearts, start in mine. Is there anyone I haven't forgiven? Anyone that's sinned against me? Oh, Lord.